Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. I'm Shannon Van Sant, business editor at SupChina. Electric car companies across China are finding new ways to survive difficult times. Australia has thrown its weight behind China in supporting a new multilateral trade dispute body, and TikTok is dancing and singing its way to over 2 billion downloads. Here's your news. It's possibly a good time to pick up a bargain if you're in the market for a new car. U.S. electric car maker Tesla will cut the price of its China-made standard-range Model 3 sedan to less than 300,000 yuan, approximately $42,000. The announcement comes a week after China's finance ministry said that it will extend subsidies for new energy vehicles for two years, but will only apply the new policy to passenger cars costing less than 300,000 yuan. Tesla's new lower price means it will come under the threshold price set by the Chinese government. Tesla said it aims to produce 4,000 Model 3 sedans per week in China by mid-2020. As new energy car sales have slumped across China, BYD, best known as the Chinese new energy car maker backed by billionaire investor Warren Buffett, has temporarily shifted gears, finding profits by shifting production to face masks during the global COVID-19 pandemic. BYD's daily mask output surpassed 20 million as of April 17th, according to a company statement. A BYD official told Taishing that the company still has the potential to expand mask capacity by 1 million to 2 million per day if demand remains strong. Mask sales are expected to provide a positive contribution to the company's profitability, the company's BYD Electronics subsidiary said, after getting access to the U.S. market last month upon receiving emergency use authorization from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for its KN95 mask. There seems to be no stopping TikTok's exponential growth across the globe. The ByteDance-owned short video app has amassed more than 2 billion downloads on Apple's App Store and Google Play Store combined, a milestone that comes just five months after the app hit the 1.5 billion download mark, according to research from Sensor Tower. 
in the first quarter of 2020, TikTok was downloaded over 315 million times globally, more than any other app for the period. These figures are likely to be an underestimation as they did not include third-party app store downloads. Users based in India seemed the most obsessed with TikTok, with 30.3% of the app's total downloads coming from the South Asian country, followed by China with 9.7%. The U.S. was the third largest download source, with 8.2%. Huawei, an American mobile technology company, entered digital, have finally buried the hatchet in an ongoing years-long series of patent disputes. The two sides signed a global, non-exclusive agreement licensing Huawei to use some of the U.S. company's patent technologies. The agreement, which will be effective until 2023, covers royalties from the sales of some of Huawei's 3G, 4G, and 5G wireless telecommunications products. Huawei originally sued Interdigital and Shenzhen over unfair patent fees in January 2019. This was followed by Interdigital filing a countersuit in a UK court in December 2019. It's a bad time to be on the wrong side of the law when it comes to money laundering in China. A Caixin exclusive has found that fines issued by China's central bank, the People's Bank of China, for money laundering have soared in the first quarter of 2020. The People's Bank of China, PBOC, handed down nearly four times more fines in the first three months of this year than it did over the same period last year. The PBOC penalized 93 institutions and their staff a total of 183 million yuan, approximately $25.9 million, for violations of money laundering regulations in the January to March period. The rise is due to a change in how fines are calculated. The change means institutions can be fined more than once if they violate several rules at a time for one action, accumulating escalating penalties. Australia has teamed up with China and the EU calling for a new world order, or at least a new trade dispute system that would effectively replace the functions of the WTO's appellate body. The new structure, which would still be within the WTO, is called the Multi-Party Interim Appeal Arbitration Arrangement. It was formalized on Friday. China has framed its backing for the new arbitrator as proof of its support for multilateralism, while the U.S. is being seen by several commentators as becoming further isolated in terms of working with and supporting multinational organizations. The director of the research unit of Zhongtai Securities has lost his job after his team coincidentally published a report about China's unemployment rate. Li Xunlei has been removed from the top post at the important Shandong-based brokerage and replaced by Deputy Director Dai Zhifeng. The shakeup followed a controversial report regarding China's unemployment and how it is officially calculated, which was posted online on April 26th by Li's team. It has since removed the report from the website. A Zhongtai security source said the personnel changes were decided far earlier and had nothing to do with the report. Luckily for Lee, he has not actually found himself on the unemployment line and instead remains the brokerage's chief economist. 
And lastly, COVID-19 might be wreaking havoc with the global economy and supply chains across the world, but nothing seems to be able to diminish China's taste for durian fruit coming from Thailand. To ensure there would be no disruption to supply, Chinese buyers went directly to Thai orchards prior to Thailand shutting airports to international flights and guaranteed farmers that they would buy their fruit prior to harvest despite the economic disruption. Durian fruit makes up around 6.5% of Thailand's exports, with 70% of them going to China. In total, China imported 358,000 tons of durian, worth an estimated $963 million in 2018, with the other major exporting country being Malaysia. Thanks, Shannon. I want to take a minute to say thanks to Ada Shen, who for the last couple of years has narrated this along with me just as a favor. Ada is a wonderful friend, and she always came through for us. We are going to miss having you, even as we welcome Shannon to the program. I also want to bid farewell to Tanner Brown, who was with me doing this from the beginning. He has gone on to another news organization now, and his departure, along with uh, COVID-19, of course, is part of the reason why we had this long break in the show. Tanner is still in Beijing, and he's still tweeting some of the funniest tweets you're going to read. Follow him at, at Luoshanji. That's L-U-O-S-H-A-N-J-I. Tanner, best of luck to you. And we're glad to be back with a new producer on the Tyson Global side, Nandini Venkata. Welcome, Nandini. Let's turn now to Doug Young, managing editor of Tyson Global, for a closer look at a major story in the week's news. Doug, great to have you back, man. And I want to ask you about the first quarter's smartphone shipments in China. Uh, any interesting developments there? Well, Kaiser, it's great to be here today. Um, yes, uh, I think a lot of people were expecting first quarter smartphone market to just about like anything else, be a big dud, and it hasn't really disappointed anybody. Um, the shipments, total shipments for smartphones in the first quarter were down 11.7%, which is the biggest decline in history. Uh, of course, this is only a market that has about 10 years of history, but still a big decline nonetheless. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot we can really say beyond the big picture, which is this was really a bit of a, a one-two thing. Uh, it started off with the COVID-19 outbreak in China, and that really hit supply chains. And that caused the first part of the big problem. Then the second part of the big problem came after the virus started off in China, which is responsible for about a quarter of global cell phone, or sorry, smartphone sales. Uh, and then it spread to the rest of the world. So not only did uh, you know supply chains get hit, which caused manufacturing issues, but then demand itself got hit when everybody started getting sick and getting you know forced to stay at home and and they couldn't go out and shop. So uh, just to give you an, an idea of of how bad things were, China actually saw a twenty point three percent decline in smartphone sales in the first quarter, which again, this is a market that's responsible for one in every four smartphone sales. So it was not not a great quarter for the market, but I, I think things will probably start to rebound after this one. And, and in terms of vendors, what's the big story there? Uh, is there a company in particular that caught your eye? Yeah, I would say the, the big story in terms of vendors this time around is probably Huawei and you know, Huawei is an, an interesting story. Uh, the company was was the company that could do no wrong. 
it just kept going from strength to strength and rising and rising. And uh, guess what? Uh, they sort of hit a brick wall in the first quarter, although I think they were already hitting the brick wall in the fourth quarter. Uh, Huawei's sales were actually down by 17%. Uh, but in in fact, if you look at things, it's actually Samsung, which is the market leader, was down even more. They were down 19%. But Huawei, I think when the history books are written, people are going to probably say this was maybe, I wouldn't say the nail in the coffin for Huawei, but it, it's certainly going to be a, a, you know, a turning point quarter for them. Uh, you know, they've been struggling with, with the, all the U.S. sanctions. Uh, U.S. isn't letting them buy Android or they're, they're not letting them use Google's cooperation with Android. So that's hurting their sales outside of China because people can't use a Huawei phone to get stuff from Google Play Store. Within China, they're doing a little better. But like we said, China just had an awful first quarter for uh, smartphones. So, so Huawei just really took a drubbing. Um, I think they'll probably bounce back a bit in the, you know, in the rest of the year because China is, is pretty much past the, the worst of the outbreak right now. Uh, but I would say Huawei, eh, I guess they, they could still be number two by the end of the year because in terms of market share, Huawei is still quite a bit ahead of number three, which is Apple. Um, so maybe Huawei will finish out the year in number two, but I think it'll be a much weaker number two. Any other major takeaways from the first quarter report then? Sure. The, the other interesting takeaway I think in this story is uh, for another Chinese company called Xiaomi, which um, I think their name is getting out there. They're probably not that well known in the U.S. just yet, which is I know where a lot of our listeners are, but uh, they unlike uh, Samsung, Huawei, and Apple, actually managed to post a, a gain in the first quarter. You know, this, this, this miserable time of year for most companies, Xiaomi actually posted a 6% gain in smartphone sales for the quarter. Um, and one of Xiaomi's really big strengths has been the India market. They're actually the, the biggest uh, smartphone maker in India. So they've done quite well there. And Apparently, according to IDC, which is all these numbers are based from them, Xiaomi put out some new smartphone models at the at the start of the quarter, so that helped them a bit. Um, and you know they're they're doing okay. They're the fourth biggest company. They seem to go from hot to cold, and and in my view, they're still pretty much a uh, a low end smartphone play, but. You never know, uh, especially with Huawei being hurt so much. Uh, who knows? Maybe maybe Xiaomi is the next company to watch on the global smartphone scene. Xiaomi is definitely one to watch, and we will be keeping an eye out for that. Uh, Doug, thanks a lot, and great to be back in the saddle and looking forward to the next time. Okay. Thanks a lot, Kaiser. Good to be here. Thank you, Doug. And that's it for this week. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin and Marcus Ryder of Caixin Global. Thanks to Wu Fei and Spring and Autumn for the music. Be sure to check out the other shows in the Seneca Network on SupChina. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at SupChina.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Take care.